I cannot believe I I have a I don't have a laptop. I have a tower computer, right? Because I have two monitors. That's what I work on. The CD player is busted. It does. I can't play music on this thing anymore, which means I can't turn music into MP3s. So I can put it on the car. Mm-hmm. I had to go and buy a CD player recently. I bought it at Target, forty bucks. It lasted I don't know three months, and I had I said okay, I can't buy this shitty brand again. So I go online. I refuse to shop at Amazon, right? They're destroying Seattle. They're the worst thing in the world. So I go to eBay and I buy a CD player there for 40 bucks. And they ship it to me from Amazon. Really? So I ended up giving Amazon money anyway. So eBay is using Amazon's, like, their delivery system? this individual seller was using Amazon as their fulfillment house. So Amazon made money off of me anyway. Because I thought there was, like, a real competition between those two and ebay would like have had contractual things or you can't use so that's interesting um but go on so anyway i haven't even hooked it up right i bought it a month ago i'm still pissed off about it i've got this stack of cds that i want to listen to i bought ancients i bought um everything from fiend i bought everything from ginger i bought everything from behemoth recently i have this huge stack of cds that i want to get through and I can't, I can't listen to it because I'm all frustrated with the CD CD player situation. But you, but you spent the money on it, right? So shouldn't. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Should, it was, it wasn't that much. But. So, but I mean, but the CD player works, right? I haven't hooked it up. I don't know. So, so you're not. So it's out. It's out of frustration with the fact that Amazon delivered it. Yeah, or? I just got to get over that. I realize so, that I'm just angry and it's irrational. But I hate Amazon so much, and I don't want them to ever make a dollar off of me. I get you. And, I mean, but you, but they already did. So I would say, yeah, I know. you know, you might as well enjoy the CD play because at least you're contributing to physical media if that's your cons- – because I, because I, sure. I suspect – I mean, I, I you know what's funny? There's probably a lot of people now alive that don't even really remember what it was like before Amazon became a big thing because they've been, they've been huge now for a while, right? Like, I, I mean, bookshops and stuff started disappearing when? In the early 2000s or am I mistaken on that? Uh, yeah, that's probably about right. So – I don't know. I, I, so I'm assuming that, that that's your primary concern here is that when Amazon came around, all of these stores that we used to go to where you would buy. No, physical, I, oh. I don't give a shit about that because oh. I think that that kind of stuff happens. OK. I okay. think Amazon's problem is one. Jeff Bezos has all this money and uh, I could go on and on about what's wrong with Amazon. One of the things is, is that they've destroyed downtown Seattle. Right. The cost of housing is through the roof. Because Amazon is located there. Okay. Two, they bribed the city council to allow them to build these three giant buildings on Denny Street. And Denny's the only way in or out of the certain section of Seattle. Okay. Um, so the traffic through there, there, there was no environmental impacts that he done. The traffic through there is awful. People are dying working in their warehouses. People aren't making enough money. And now Amazon's going to move from that location to the Bellevue. They're trading buildings with Expedia. Okay. So Expedia.com is now moving into downtown Seattle. And the whole point of allowing Amazon to do what they did is because of the, the perceived value of Amazon moving to downtown in this region. Okay to foot traffic in the shops in downtown Seattle. And now they're not even going to stay there. Okay. And so they've done all this damage to the city. And every time somebody spends money on 
on anything from Amazon. I just think about the ripple effects of the shit we feel here in Seattle that nobody feels anywhere else in America based on what Amazon is doing. Everybody else is suffering from what Walmart did. But well, I think so. My feeling with with Amazon is, is a little bit more like I, I I'm critical of them, but it's from a more selfish perspective. So I use Amazon because it's convenient and I like getting books and movies and stuff like that in the mail. But I have a big problem, number one, with the fact that it's a monopoly because I can sure. see I can see in real time how that shapes access to different content. Like people do not Absolutely. make things if they can't get it on Amazon. And there are lots of things Amazon does not put up. Do you know what I mean? There's stuff you cannot get on Amazon or is really hard to get. And and as a result, that stuff doesn't get made. And I think that's I think that's bad for any anything, but when it's like not just one industry, but like every entertainment industry, I think that's a big problem. Um, but number two, they have a serious issue with quality control at Amazon because oh, absolutely, uh, because I constantly buy movies and I constantly get bootlegs. At least like I don't know, it's almost it's almost a quarter of the time now that I get bootlegs, and I don't want bootlegs. Do you know what I mean it's not like I'm trying to get a bootleg of a movie that's really hard to obtain or something? I'm trying to buy a regular movie and I'm getting a bootleg of it, and and the same thing with people ripping off people's books and then just printing them on Amazon service. Do you know right. what I mean? Like they'll, they'll rip out, they'll just cut and paste a person's book and sell it themselves. And there's no, there's no, there, there's no way to really police it on Amazon. So I, 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 from that perspective, I have a, I have a problem with it, but I also have a problem with the, I, I miss physical media. And I think that, uh, I, I, there's something mnemonic about physical media for me where if I own the CD and listen to the CD, I remember the music better than if I have it in digital form. And, and, and I, and, and I don't know if there's an actual difference in quality or not, but I feel like a lot of times because it's digital, the quality that they decide to package it in is second rate. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes you'll get a CD and they'll cut off the last two seconds of a song before it goes to the next track. And if you have the actual CD, it doesn't do that stuff. Stuff right. like that kind of irks me. Um, but yeah, so but but I my CD player situation is the only CD player I have right now is my car CD player. I don't even have like I had an old CD player, but the speakers don't work. So now I I probably should do what you do and go and buy one. But um, yeah, I don't have one in the car either. I have just have a jack for uh, plugging in a, a a USB. So I put all my music, I put MP3s on a USB card on a flash drive, plug it in, and I can listen to whatever I want. Um, but I can't put anything on there because I can't even burn CDs at the moment. I can't even rip them. Well, I don't know. If I were you, I would, play, I would use a CD player because you spent the yeah, money on I'm the CD Yeah, I'm going to. I just got to stop being angry about it. I just... But It seemed relevant. We were talking earlier about what are you listening to right now, and yeah. I'm having to listen to stuff that I've purchased on youtube and that's annoying you can purchase music on youtube now that's not what i said uh the stuff that i purchased i have to listen to on youtube right now because oh, i okay. can't okay play I, that I cd All yeah right. no i get it um i was gonna say because i mean i know you can get movies there but uh well you were also saying though that like you can't can you walk is there any store you can walk into in driving yeah. distance where you would buy a cd player it's not Walmart or something like oh, that. Oh, there's a Best Buy, but I refuse to give them money either. What did Best They're Buy awful. do to you? Or is it just They didn't do anything stuff? to me. They're just an awful business. Okay. I mean, the, yeah, this 
I mean, the thing is, the, we... the option they had one option for a portable CD player, and it was from a no-name brand that I've never even heard of. And I just said, you know, I don't even want to give these guys money in the first place. So why am I here? Okay. And second, this is my option. This. No, I I hear you. My my problem with that stuff is like. Every once in a while, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to try to go to like a local electronic store or something because we still will occasionally have those. But then when you go to them, it's so depressing. Do you know what I mean? It's depressing and they don't really have good stuff. And like, and the, and the, and the sales tactics are all like locked in the 1970s or something. So like we have like a Tri-City sales place here, which isn't quite local, but it's, it's local enough. Like it feels, it feels like you're stepping out of time when you go there. You do, you feel like you're walking into... Like what I remember going into electronic stores when I was a kid to with my family to buy like an Intellivision or something, and it's like that kind of an experience versus you go into the Best Buy and you get like a snotty teenager who kind of insults you half the time while you're buying stuff. Do you know what I mean? But I I have to acknowledge that I'm a bit of a luddite, right? I refuse to put music on my phone. My phone doesn't even have that much space anyway. Mm-hmm. I refuse to buy Spotify. I refuse to go the digital MP3 route by buying a song off of the Apple Tunes iStore or whatever it's called. I don't want to do that, right? I want to own the CD. I, if, if records were viable, I would want to own the record, right? I like having the physical copy of something. Yeah. And I realize that that's outdated and outmoded. And so people like me are going to struggle in the years to come to find ways to play music that way. No, I mean, I'm a bit of a Luddite too. I was having a conversation with somebody who was trying to get me to use Google doc or Google drive for, I think it's Google docs for the shared document. Right. And I'll use that sometimes, but the, the slight shift from Microsoft word, which I know, and I've sort of am comfortable with to, to the just barely even different format. That's on uh, Google doc drives me crazy so I, it takes me a long time to to jump from one one type of uh, of medium to the other and and I'm, I'm the same way with music i was using cds forever before i finally started getting digital music just because you couldn't get cds anymore in, in a lot right. of cases and you know and when i when i started on music i was listening on record players which i'm assuming you were too and then tapes and so i've 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 always associated music with whatever kind of background noise a physical medium will tend to have do you know what i mean like like a, a record player you have that that scratchy hum and mm-hmm. and tape players there was a sound to those too do you know what i mean there was, a little bit of a vibration i know what you're yeah, talking about yeah and a squeakiness too sometimes like yeah it wouldn't always be a consistent i don't know it's like the tape would stretch or something and it would kind of shape the sound yeah and uh um and even and even like cds have like a a coolness to them that I don't experience when I'm playing a digital song, even though I know it's kind of the same. It's like the same technology that's sort of behind it. Uh, a CD is present in a digital song, um, but you still have an actual spinning disc. Do you know what I mean? So you, you hear the mechanics of that when you're, when you're playing a CD. Um, so yeah, so, so, but, but, but again, for me, the biggest trouble with it is, I just have trouble remembering. I don't feel like I've actually consumed music when I when I listen to it digitally, and I don't know if it's because of the format or if it's because I tend to be sitting at my computer when I play it that way. And because I'm at my computer, I'm inclined to go on the <clears throat> internet and do other things while I'm listening to music rather than just listen to the music. 
Right. I certainly miss the process of cracking open a new CD, reading the liner notes, sitting down with headphones in a beanbag, right? And just enjoying the next hour of new music you've never heard before. We don't consume it that way anymore. No, we don't. And we consume it in mass quantities too. So even if you are, even if you are sitting down and focusing on the music, it's that, and then it's the next album. It's like it's like you have access to so much music, you have to keep consuming it, right. and it's a little bit overwhelming. It's sort of like it's sort of like back in the day if I watched zombie movies, which I did as a kid, uh, there would only be like five of them at the video store, right? But we'd watch all five of them over and over and over again. And now if you get into zombie movies, there's like, what, a hundred that you can probably easily access online and you're going to watch them all. And it's all going to be this one sort of big, you'll, it's almost like you're getting a better overall impression of, of whatever it is. But at the same time, it's so overwhelming that I don't know that you even really taste it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I binge watch a lot of TV shows. And because I'll I'll get into it and I just want to finish it. I want to see how it resolves. I started watching The Watchmen on HBO. Okay. And I I cannot binge watch it. I have to stop and think about what I just saw because it's so deep. It is not it is not the candy corn entertainment that you're used to when you say sit down and watch. I don't really have a good comparison because I don't watch those kind of shows. But breaking. Well, you want something that's not deep um yeah but even break bad was, right glow, I, I think glow, I was able to glow wasn't a deep show glow was not what's a deep. that glow glow the uh wrestle yeah glow was a deep i think i finished that in one sitting yeah. um but breaking bad i was able to do about five or six episodes in a row but anything from marvel those marvel daredevil universe mm-hmm. shows i finished them all in one set sitting kind of thing but with with watchmen it's it's really deep and you and i i to getting back to what you said earlier about music you and i were talking about this the other day online how do you find new stuff and i have to grind through crap just to find something good on youtube sometimes um somebody will suggest something like say a band like uh seon s-e-o-n or s-o-e-n i i don't remember how they pronounce it and i'll go and listen to it and i go oh, okay that's all right that's got some of those finish sensibilities of what power metal sounds like now. And then that'll lead to other things. And eventually I'll land on a band I like, like autumn. Yeah. But I have to dig through so much stuff to find that. And because we don't have the systems we used to have where we would share tapes with each other in high school. Oh, I found this, but that's how I found Megadeth, right? Somebody handed me a cassette in high school um, I'd never heard of them. I didn't have magazines I, or anything to. I found them. I, I, I'm younger than you, so I found them because I saw Hangar 18 on Headbangers Ball or something, and right. that was my my window into them. But I think that's also just a product of us being older than most people. I think if you're younger, that sort of network is still occurring. It's just occurring online. Do you know what I mean and right? And and we're obviously not going to be talking to young metalheads, you know. So we're not going to be we're not going to have access to that world that 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 is mainly directed towards younger people anyways. So right. I think that's part, and that's part of a lot of what I experience lately when I go try to find new metal music is that I'm, you know, I'm 43. I'm in, in, in musical terms, I'm an old man. And yeah. when I, when I listen to new music, 
number one, I have an old man reaction to it, which is, what is this crap? Do you know what I mean? I, kinda, I have a bias towards earlier music that I grew up on or that I cut my teeth on. And I also, I'm, I'm aware enough of, of the earlier days of, of these musical forms that when I hear something new, I'm a lot more critical of it than I probably would be when I was younger and heard something new. Do you know what I mean? Um, but, but, but there was another topic that, that, that sort of connected to this one that, that I, I was, when you, you showed me that list of, uh, of top metal albums of the year. And, yeah. and I think neither of us, some of the stuff on the list we liked, but some of the stuff we were kind of scratching our heads at. And there was one band, I don't want to name them cause I don't want to, I don't really want to pick on a band that I don't have complete information about and that I've only heard this one album from and at a fairly right. superficial level. But there was one death metal band on there that had an intriguing cover. And when I listened to them, I found it really disappointing because I was like, this just sounds like mediocre 90s death metal to me. Yeah. And I talked to my singer from my old death metal band about it. I was, And he doesn't listen to this kind of music anymore anyways. He's kind of you know matured and gone on to do other things. But, but he, but when I was talking to him, he was like, yeah, I've tried to sort of get back into this kind of music and stuff. And he says, but every time I do, it just sounds like a lot of the death stuff, they're just re recovering, going, going over the same territory that we remember people going over when we were kids. And I'm sure that there are death metal bands out there doing new and interesting things. And I've heard a few that are kind of doing new and interesting things. But I think what he was getting at is when we were young, the foundations of these genres were being created, right? Like, like yeah. the foundational material, like the parameters were actually being established. And now those are established. Death metal is a thing. The death growl has been invented. And so anything else that people are adding to it, they're expanding on the genre, but they're not creating new foundational material. Do you know what I mean? Right. And that is, even though that's perfectly fine, there's nothing wrong with an existing genre that's, still got experimentation going but if you if you were there when something was being made it's there's an excitement to that that you're you're going to feel its absence 20 years down the road if you poke in again and start trying to listen to the stuff do you know what i'm saying like uh and i think that's the reaction i have to a lot of new metal it's not that it's bad and it's not that they're not doing interesting things and obviously some of the stuff you listen to like the prog is really exploring territory that right. is you know totally new but and a lot of it's bad i'll i'll say that yeah. a lot of it's bad but go on but but that's also a subgenre that by definition has to keep expanding its foundations do you know what I mean right. because that's i i remember i probably mentioned this before but i remember when i was in bands as a kid i was into metal and there was a kid in my class that was into prog progressive music and that term never made sense to me i was like well, what do you mean it's progressive i don't understand like does it just keep moving like i thought it was the tempo was progressive not the yeah. Not 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 progressive in the sense that it's reinventing itself and experimenting, and right. and as slowly I I started to understand it, but uh, but that genre of music, it's it, it's it's always got that it's always got that same level of excitement that you had with any genre where the foundations are being made because that's all they ever do. Um, but I think if you look at pretty much any other subgenre of metal it just feels like an additional flavor is being added rather than a new foundation is being laid uh at least to me as an old guy that's how it feels maybe maybe a young person could come in here and show me where i'm wrong but 
Oh, go, go ahead. You're not wrong. I think, I think because you're a little younger than I am, and you weren't there when there was just, say, 10 metal bands. Yeah. I mean, I remember when there was just 10 metal bands. Um, you were really, you would really scrutinize whether or not the thing you were hearing fit into your taste buds. Yes. Uh, at the at the same time, you would also just accept things. I remember when Twisted Sister Stay Hungry came out. It was okay. I, I've I've listened to my ten metal albums to death. Mm-hmm. I need something, and so okay. you take this Twisted Sister album and you just add it to your pile, without without question. And then you get older and you find more yeah. stuff, and you go, okay, that's not metal. I can get rid of that Twisted Sister. But there's two things going on. One, I was puritanical about it, and at the same time, I was desperate. Yeah. And that's a weird place to be. No, but see, I I guess maybe because I played guitar and I was thinking in terms of being a musician, I would have found that more exciting than being around when I was around, where where I remember the conversations I would have with people who are in like my band and stuff was, you know, where else is there to go? There were like you could see the two or three avenues that remained. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if I like, like when I, when I listen to, I mean, you know, my style, like whenever we share music, I'm always sharing older stuff and it's usually stuff that's sort of at the ground zero of when the genre was being developed. Right. Like I like seeing those moments when it's like, Oh, this solo is significant because this is where all these other solos come from or, you know, stuff like that. I just find the energy around it is different. And, and so I, even though you do have the, the poverty of choices in that kind of situation. I think I'm happier with limited choices, but more places to explore and, and, and for the genre to grow than being overwhelmed by all, like I just, it's just endless choice. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. No, absolutely. I just, I think, I think we in the 70s and 80s and 90s, early 90s, you, well, maybe before glam metal happens, you have this situation going on where there was a survival of the fittest situation or mentality happening with music. Rush doesn't just succeed because they're doing prog. Rush succeeds because they're fantastic at prog. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of prog bands that you've never heard of from the seventies cause yeah. they didn't make it because the record company just said, no, you're not good enough. We can't sell what you're doing. And so there's a reason everybody knows the name is Kansas and yes, and Chicago and Boston and rush and sticks, right? These Queen, were the band. Queen was a progressive band too. At one point, Queen, yeah, Queen was the biggest of yeah. the prog bands. Um, what was it? But they, but they, they shifted from that style eventually. Right. Um, but you have, a handful of bands in the prog movement. And I could have picked anything right before black Sabbath would be defined as metal. They were a hard rock band and there were only so many hard rock bands at that time and our acid rock bands, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once those successes happen, the taste is there. Oh, now, Oh, people really like this style. We need to go find a ton of bands that do this. And so ACDC breaks out with rock and roll on the style that they do. Now there's 3,000 bands that sound like ACDC. So there's something to be said for being there at the moment and seeing it happen. But then there's something to be said for 
Well, now I have 3,000 options. Which one do I like? I get to pick and choose. I'm not just stuck with ACDC anymore. No, that's true. That's true. But like, like what's like an ACDC band? What's that band from Australia that was big in the 2000s? Um, Jet? Jet. Like, yeah. they're fine. They were note for note, ACDC. Yeah, they're fine, but like, I'd much rather listen to ACDC. Do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. energy around ACDC, you can, I don't know. It's something that's really hard to pinpoint, but there's an energy around around something new like that when it's happening do you know what i mean like when you when you listen to like the first few albums of a band like that versus you know people that are replicating that sound do you know what i mean uh, unless they're replicating the sound and going someplace completely new with it that's different but if, if 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 it's a sound that's just being emulated like that and becoming the standard um like i think that's kind of what i think that's why glam metal was so bad do you know what i mean i think that's why it's sort of notoriously bad to people not just because a lot of the specifics of it were kind of ridiculous, but the 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 aesthetic that it established and, and sort of became like this dominant thing in the culture, it was just repeating itself endlessly. Do you know what I mean? It was just sort of like right. it was like Taco Bell, like, you know, re you know, reorganizing the ingredients, but it's all the same ingredients. And and it's never really a new flavor. And I think that's uh, that's a really good point, and I have a couple of things I want to say about that. One, this is where gatekeepers are kind of a good thing, right? With puritanical views on metal, you don't let garbage like some of those bands in, right? And glam metal didn't have any gatekeepers because it was just party all the time. Sure, throw another band at us. If they got big hair and they're playing three chords, we'll listen to it. Um and that whole glam metal music movement wasn't about the music. It was about the image. Yeah, yeah. And so those those gatekeepers that existed in the early days of metal and that kept it alive in the 90s, they were making sure that garbage couldn't get in. And I think what's shocking, my, to my second point, that band that's on that list that we were talking about, that top 40 list for 2019, I don't even think that they're on a top 100 list with that album. I'm, I, I'm I absolutely yeah, I don't either. I'm absolutely shocked. Reading the Wikipedia entry about them was just gave me a headache. Um, where are the gatekeepers that used to be so stringent about quality control and saying, no, this does not match our criteria for this? Well, here's... Where did that go? Is, is it just because we're old and angry that we think that gatekeeping needs to happen? And I'm sorry. I'm, I've... I, don't, I don't necessarily Your think turn. gatekeeping needs to happen. I think there's a place for that element though do you know what i mean like i don't think you know you need to, like like you know we, we have just dis strong disagreements about music and there's certain music i'm i'm uh that is that a metal gatekeeper would slap me for right that i like and i want to be able to like all kinds of music and sure i don't want people to you know feel like they can't experiment but i think you have to you do have th that that conservative streak that runs through metal is there for a reason too and you can't just dismiss it it's like, you know, you have to you have to heat it every so often because sometimes music metal will get into glam territory or whatever. Um, right. But with death metal in particular, I feel like when I like you came online in the 70s when like I get I guess like you would have been very aware of stuff like British New Wave and that kind of thing. Death metal right. was the big kind of music that was coming around when I was coming online. And so right. seeing that unfold as it did. And how shock! I, I mean, right now, a death metal growl is not shocking. When I first heard a death metal growl, it was the most shocking thing in the world. 
Um, and it wasn't necessarily a good thing when you first heard it. It was really bizarre the very first time I ever heard a death metal band. But I also remember the like epic power of the guitar from death metal and how I had never heard anything like that before in my life. And when I hear an album like the one that was on that list and how mediocre it was and how it doesn't like wash over me, like, like a, a good death metal album should, you sh- it should, you should have a feeling like you just saw something. You should feel like you just saw a plane explode or something. Do you know what I mean? It should be that kind of reaction. Like it, it, the power behind the guitar needs to be substantial. The melodies need to really get into you somehow. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be that, I don't quite know how to explain it, but that album did not do that for me. I was like, this is the most mediocre death. It's got all of the hallmarks of death metal. Like everything is there for, for it to be death metal, but it's not like I felt when I heard a really important metal album, like the, like, Again, the first time I heard the uh, uh, the um, uh, Bolt Thrower when they, when they when their when their album came out, I, I think it was War Master or something. That that was a new sound when it was first released. I mean, we that that was a new sound in that genre of music, and you know the same thing when you first heard Morbid Angel or you know or Death, and and I don't know this this album just felt very flat to me. And I, 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 and I have that reaction to a lot of newer music. And again, I think it's because if I'm trying to explain, if I, if I'm, if I'm looking at this in good faith and saying, well, the people making this list are not just, you know, picking something because they have to pick something. It's, it's a real choice. I think the reason is because it's, these are no longer genres where the boundaries are, or the, the foundations are being made. And so that's why, I think I have a different reaction to it. It's not that it's worse music. It's that when I, when I first heard Bolt Thrower, I legitimately had never heard that sound before. But when I heard this album, I had heard this sound before. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And so. Yeah. I think that's that I, everything you said is correct. I think that's the tough part though, is that it's not my genre of music. I don't, if that band didn't exist, I wouldn't be affected one, one, yeah. one iota. Um, I really shouldn't be voicing an opinion about that because it's not something that I'm really into. If it really is that big in that crowd and they're putting it that high on that list, I have to stop and ask, Is do I just not understand metal anymore? Is my taste not growing the way I think it is? Because my taste, I think, is growing, right? I just listed at the beginning of this episode four new bands that I found that I really like that I would not have liked 10 I, years ago. I don't think that it's wrong of you to have an opinion as an outsider. I think an outside perspective is important for slapping sense into genres that get ridiculous. Like somebody who was plucked out of the sixties and dropped into the late eighties and saw what glam metal became might have some valuable commentary on, on what's going on. Right. And so, right. you know, I, I have more, you know, uh, like I, I have more experience with death metal. You know, I was in a death metal band. I used to, you know, I used to like the genre, but I did stop listening to it after a while. I mean, I wasn't following the new death metal once it started feeling like crap to me. Do you know what I mean? Right. And, and so I don't have the connection that a, you know, a person who's listening to all the latest death metal is going to have. But I think at the same time, going back to that idea of being overwhelmed with content, I don't think that 
just because you consume a lot of something that makes you a better judge of the quality of it. Like I watch a lot of martial arts movies. I've, I've, I, I have, I have over 200 wuxia films in my house and I've seen many more than I actually own. And I, I know a lot about the genre, but at the same time, I probably think a lot of wuxia movies are great that you would think are total garbage. Do you know what I mean? Because, <laughs> right. because I love the genre and I'll accept anything from it. And my, my bar for enjoying it is low because I'm, 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 I'm constantly swimming in this genre. And I think the same thing can happen with music where you're just consuming a genre almost mindlessly and you're not really reflecting on it critically. And so I don't think there's a problem with you coming in and saying, that kind of sucks. I don't like it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you might not know death metal that well, but presumably you've heard of, you've at least heard enough death metal to know what elements of it you might like, or why you think some of the elements that people like would be good. Do you know what I mean? Even if they're not to your taste, you can understand sort of what is motivating people to enjoy it. And I think you can still, you know, have, have something to say about its, you know, where it's going and, and whether it, whether it really still needs to be in existence. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I think, so I have a background in writing, obviously. We talk about this. I've, I've written screenplays, and I understand the structure of how you make a movie. I don't like the Star Wars universe, so when I come in and chime in about Star Wars, I always talk about the structure of how the movies are made. Mm-hmm. Nobody really wants to hear that from me, because they just want to shut their brains off and enjoy all the special effects. And so it is very difficult then to come in for me and switching it back to music. It's very difficult for me to come in and say, look, this music was okay, but I really chimed just zoned out when he got to the death growl because it was so boring to me. And I'm always going to zone out at that part of the song. Yeah. I really wish these people could find a way to marry the the excellent work they're doing. We listened to that Deicide song on, when we were doing that review, mm-hmm. right? I, I think it was Deicide months ago. Yeah, we had we had we did play we played a few, I think. But go on. Yeah, and I listened, and we were listening to it, and I just thought, wow, this is really crunchy. This is punching me in the gut in places. But I am so tuned out when he's singing. That this I mean, is not resonating with me. And so I think as soon as I get there, when I say that. I've already lost all of my credibility with a death metal. Fan. No, you have, you have. And with start, like, like even when you were talking about star Wars, like the thought that was in my head and I'm not a star Wars fan. I just like the old movies and I, you know, I will go see the new movies, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not a kid anymore. But my thought was, well, the point of star Wars to me is never the structure. It's the, it's the operatic emotional beats. And primarily it's the music. The music is what really conveys the experience of star Wars for me. And so when I watch it, what I'm trying to get is those emotions I feel at different moments that the music is really responsible for. Do you know what I mean? It's it's kind of like opera or something like that where I'm not so worried about the structure. But at the same time, I don't think there's a problem with you having that opinion about Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's your reaction to it. It's informed by your understanding of how you think writing should work. And so, you know, maybe I hear it and I'm like, well... I like the emotion, so I'm fine with Star Wars, but maybe somebody else hears that and says, hey, you know, that's an interesting point. Maybe somebody should make a movie like Star Wars, but with what Jim is saying. And then they go off and make it, and an, a, a really good movie gets made. Do you know what I mean? There's, 
there's value in outside perspectives, even if even if it is even if a fan doesn't necessarily want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, and, and I think it would be great if we did an episode just on Star Wars, but we'd have to not call it Metal Workshop. Um, we could do because I have so I mean, many. The only the only problem with that is I'm not like an Uber fan, so I might get names wrong and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I'm not an Uber fan either. Yeah. I would just want to talk about the structure and where everything went wrong, personally, uh, not just personally, but technically. But but in, for you, unlike most this... people, I I have a feeling that you're going to say it went wrong in the first series of films. From yes, yeah. So. <laughs> But not that there was not that they were throwing garbage at the screen like they are now, mm -hmm. but just that as soon as we accept it and we're already talking about it, and I apologize. As That's soon okay. as you accept and, and we were doing this earlier with the with glam metal, as soon as you accept that six is a good movie, you've already slipped off the rails of what Star Wars was meant to be. And the same thing is true of metal music. As soon as you accept that. Well, you know what? Van Halen's close enough to metal. We'll just accept that they're metal. Uh, no, the next thing that's going to happen is Bon Jovi's going to no, slide in. I was thinking about and... I was thinking about Van Halen though. I th I think you have to accept Van Halen for the reason that you don't get a lot of the metal that we had if you don't have Eddie Van Halen. Do you know what I mean? As much as I don't like Van Halen, I'm not into this the style of music that Van Halen made. I can see the lineage that is created by the existence of that style of guitar, and. I feel like you get to other metal players by way of Van Halen. So he's he's at least somehow embedded in the history. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. But Richie Blackmore is embedded in the history of metal, too. And I don't know that he ever really made a true. I could be wrong there. I mean, I'd have to analyze that, that's it. an interesting. Well, well, you know what? We're, we're kind of we're kind of getting to the the end of this topic anyway. So we might as well get into to that topic, because I think. Number one, I, I think you're right. I don't think that they ever really were proper metal. I think that they were proto-metal, the same way that a lot of Queen stuff is proto-metal. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, I, I would... I, and again, I know that at a certain time in history, the label heavy metal was applied to Queen, but you now you would not think of Queen as a heavy metal band. Do you know what I mean? Even if you, even if you go back and look at, like, the, you know, the first two records or something, you're not... It's, 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 it sounds like hard rock to people now. It doesn't sound like heavy metal. But you hear certain songs and and they and, you know, like, you know, you can say, OK, this is like a proto thrash song. Do you know what I mean? And by the same token, when you hear a song like Highway Star, that's like kind of got a proto thrash sound to it. But they're not, you know, they're, I, I think I think Deep Purple was contributing foundational material, but they still had one foot in the rock and blues world. And whenever you have one foot in the rock and blues world it's never really a hundred percent metal, right? Like it, 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 it still feels rooted in the blues. Right. Right. But, uh, but, but we did have a disagreement over that song burn, um, which I really like, and you really didn't like. I and, did not. And, and so number one, we had that disagreement over that song, but we also got into a broader discussion and I don't, I don't think this was specifically related to burn, but it was related to, it was related to stuff that came down the pike when we were talking about, music uh where well i don't know why don't you introduce it because i i expressed interest in music that you considered to be not very intelligent and and <laughs> and so that raised the whole issue in fact you know what i have to take a i have to go handle something really quickly why don't you lead in i will take my headphones on 
You can... Well, I need a break too, so why don't we just pause here? Okay, why don't we pause here and we'll come back and we'll address the you know, issue of whether in- music needs to be intelligent to be good. Okay, so we're back and we're talking about intelligence in music and whether, uh, whether music and lyrics need to be intelligent in order to be good. Uh, so I don't know. Why don't, why don't you lead in? Because I know that I, uh, I think this is really difficult because music is so subjective and it's all about taste, right? So I can't decide for you. I was obviously busting your balls earlier when I was saying, wow, you listen to a a lot of really dumb stuff, but if you like it, you like it. You're allowed to like it. I, for me, I can't listen to stupid music. I can't listen to something with bad lyrics. I can't. And there's some songs by some of my favorite bands that, I'll listen to the lyrics and just think, wow, how did that get past all of your litmus tests? Well, well, let's let's start with defining what is low intelligent and high intelligent music first off, because I think okay. one thing I was a little unclear on was that, because I mean, obviously, lyrical content makes something not intelligent. But are there other elements? Right. If, if it, you know, for you, if it's if it's like three chords over and over again, would you say that's a low intelligent song? Yeah, or? absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, so a certain complexity of the music is also required. And, and you probably want it to be complex, but also have some kind of structural element and consistency to it where it's not just complexity for complexity's sake, but they're repeating themes or doing things that 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 show thought was put into the music. Would, right. And we've talked about some of this before, and I realize that this all makes me sound very snobbish and I'm not going to apologize okay. you're, for that. You're the, you're the foil. You're the you're the, you're the yeah. person people can hate and I'll stand in I'm for the, the people. British villain in yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up on classical music, right? Mm-hmm. And not just chamber music, but really good classical music, hardcore now, okay, stuff. Okay, I want to I want to I want to start on there because I, you've mentioned that before. You have this disdain yeah, for chamber music. And I yeah. want to under because and so pe- people who can know what chamber music is like early classical before you're using like symphonies. It's like a smaller it's like it's like a smaller group basically right like it's just it's like 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 a lot of Bach is chamber music and Bach is chamber music yeah. a lot of what Mozart and Beethoven were doing early on was chamber music it's stuff that you get paid to compose um you know it's you it's it might be a gift that somebody's giving for somebody's birthday or whatever or it might just be let me show off all of my but, wealth but all but all music from that era was based on like a patronage system right like it wasn't you know the and that's a whole interesting thing but i mean that that's you know it's it's all kind of got that motivation behind it of you know you're being hired by somebody who has a lot of money who wants to hear a particular thing right so but uh, chamber music was specifically very simple because you had to one, I think if you're Beethoven or you're Mozart you don't want to give your best stuff away to some idiot that just wants a two thousand dollar composition that he's going to give to his sister as i don't even know how you give it to somebody but you know what i mean but would you say like okay here's a song everybody would know air the the bach piece air right uh would would you consider that chamber music bach is so bach is a mixed bag because mathematically he's a hundred years ahead of his time Mm -hmm. so the shit that he's doing we cannot discount in any way because he advances classical music so quickly um but at the same time i'm a huge fan of the eastern europeans and the russians and even the spanish composers who were doing stuff they were doing it in different chord progressions and they were doing things with different meters and 
they were creating really complex music. And then you listen to something like what Bach or Brahms was doing, and it's just... But here's the thing about this. Tchaikovsky sounds interesting, right? Because it's... The reason that Bach sounds like that to you and me is because we're so familiar with that European tradition of music. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it doesn't sound exotic to us, but I guarantee you, you take that and bring that to a place where a person hasn't heard that as much, and it sounds more exotic. Just like Tchaikovsky sounds exotic to us a little bit. I mean, now he's kind of, he's worked his way into the culture. But 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 if you're in Russia, it's not going to sound that exotic. It's going to sound like normal music sounds, Right. So right. I, I think part of that is just the, you know, it's exotic to us. And so that's why it has that quality. I, there, but, I listen to a lot of world music, actually. Mm-hmm. I listen to Bhangra music from the Punjab. I uh-huh. listen to Iranian music. I listen to uh, even Ghanan music because I like all the different beats that go on in the, that mm-hmm. kind of music. I listen to so much Bhangra music from India that I can tell you when somebody's just phoning it in. Okay. And when, when somebody's something's really, really complicated. Uh, and so for me, I think there's an emotional quotient. It's probably not intelligence, but rather emotional quotient that if you get excited by four, four time, that's fine. There's something wrong with it, but the, your, your, your musical education isn't where my musical education is and what I expect music to be. And I don't always have the vocabulary but, to express that. No, I understand that. But I know that I like, I know what I like. And it isn't Nicki Minaj. It isn't Justin Bieber. It isn't pop music. It isn't Taylor Swift, right? No, no, it's definitely not. um, What's her name? She won American Idol the very first season. Kelly something. I don't remember her name now, the singer. I heard her sing a song. Kelly Clarkson. Clarkson. I heard Kelly Clarkson sing something that wasn't traditional pop. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away at how good her voice was, right? I could stop and listen to that and go, holy crap, I had the wrong impression of this woman. She, When she's singing garbage, she sounds like garbage. But when she's singing something good, look at what her voice can do. And I think that that is so much a part of the process that musicians, people that are putting on American Idol, for instance, and people that are producing music, are producing stuff that gets simpler and simpler and simpler over the years so that they have to do less work to create that music. If they train your ear to like 4-4 time with a three-octave range of possibilities, right, then the next generation of kids only needs 4-4 time with two-octave range of possibilities. But, but this is Does that why, make sense? Yeah, but this is why I mentioned air, and I don't remember offhand if air is in 4-4 time, but I think it is. But, but either way, 4-4 time is just a time signature. It, it, there's nothing inherent about 4-4 time. I know. When I'm saying 4-4 time, I'm saying a bunch at once. No, no, right? I know, I know. I know. But, but no, what, what I'm saying applies to that. What I'm saying is there's nothing inherent about that that makes it better or worse than any of the other time signatures or any. It's just that it's overabundant because it's common time. It's what right. everybody knows. But within that, you can still do a lot. Do you mean you can still like like and again, I, I, I hate to speak with something where I'm, I haven't like done my homework right before the episode, but I used to know how to play air on the guitar and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's common time. And if it, even if it isn't, it's still kind of got like a, you know, it's a familiar sound, but within that you, you get this soaring emotion from, from the way that the notes are layered and the movement of the, of the, of the chords that I don't know. I, I, 
for me, the main thing, and you even mentioned it too with your with, with when you were talking about world music, is the emotional reaction that I get to it. That's that's sort of the first thing, and so as long as I'm getting that, I'm fine. I feel that that can be achieved. In it's, I think it's actually harder to achieve the more intellectual music is, but when they do achieve it, it's really good. But because a more intellectual music is is more complicated and less familiar the lack of familiarity makes it harder to have that emotional resonance sometimes. It's, I think one of the things that makes music have its emotional resonance is, is the familiarity people have where they say, ah, I know what, I know what this is about. I know what that, I know what that phrasing means. You know, even if they're not thinking that clearly, they, they're, they're, they're having a reaction to something that's been said before in a slightly different way. And now it's being said in a little bit of a new way, but with a, you know, maybe a little twist to it. And that's what they're reacting to. Whereas if I like to take world music as an example, if, if you've if you've only listened to Western music your whole life, right? And and Western music is built on twelve notes and, and, and that and that musical theory, when the first time you hear Middle Eastern music, which I, I forget the exact number of notes, but they have like twenty two notes or something. There's like a different there's actually a different there are notes between the notes that we normally think of. And right. and so it's a it, it'll and so even if I take the guitar and I try to play a vaguely Middle Eastern sounding scale, which which would for people who don't know, it sound like something that Slayer does. Do you know what I mean? You'd have like a like a double harmonic minor scale, then uh, <coughs> it's not going to actually be proper Middle Eastern music because you you need to be able to play those other notes that I wouldn't be able to play on a, on a standard right, guitar. Right. Right. Um, but I want to be very clear when I'm saying four, four time, I'm talking about a bunch of things. I'm, I'm paraphrasing to get to the point. No, you're, I, you're, I, you're, I you're making my point for me. Yeah, no, that's why I'm is, doing this. That's why I'm doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but if, 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 if all you've been raised on is 12 note music and four, four time, and then you go hear Middle Eastern music, it's not going to be familiar to you the first time you hear it. It's going to take you some time before you can develop an appreciation for it because it has to become familiar in the same way that that 12 note music became familiar to you do you know what i mean um it might be new and interesting but i'm just saying i think the first time you hear it the emotions are gonna it takes a little while to understand because because your first reaction to middle eastern music is going to be that's exotic and it sounds strange do you know what i mean and you're not going to real you're going to have you're going to have reactions to it that are not the reactions that the performers are intending you to have do you know what i'm saying because because it's you're still sort of grappling with what the music is since it's the first time that you've heard it and and so so i so i guess i guess what i'm saying is ultimately most of what this music is is it's like in its own culture it's its own version of four four time do you know what i mean and sure. and, and the end goal of listening to world music is to be able to get to the point where you can hear it as four four time, do you know what I mean? where, not not literally but figuratively, where you you can get to the point where you're hearing it like a person who grew up with it, and it doesn't sound unique to you because it it sounds like all the you know what I mean you you, you know you 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 you've absorbed the aesthetics thoroughly. Um, I love using the movie John Wick as a perfect example of using a genre to break a genre. And you're kind of going there with what you're saying. Um, John Wick takes the action genre, which we all know 
very well, right? We know exactly how the structure works. We introduce a character. We find out somebody's done something to him. He needs to go get revenge. And we watch an hour of carnage until act three when we find out the twist of why he can't easily kill the bad guy, right? Yep. Everybody knows how that works. Usually there's a damsel in distress, which has gone away in recent years. But that was structurally how the action uh, the, the action movie worked. And then John Wick comes along and it just says, okay, he's got a dog. Somebody killed his dog. And now he's going on a hunt for vengeance. And now the movie is going not going to be about uh, the structure of the action movie because we've done away with all that. Mm-hmm. We've already given you within 50 seconds, right, the, his reason for going on this killing spree. Now we're going to reinvent how the killing spree looks. Now we're going to change your perception of what you expect this killing spree to do. The notes are the beats are going to hit in different places. The notes are going to feel different. The violence is going to be almost uber violent like Audition was when that shocked audiences so many years ago. And I think that's what eventually you want music to do is get to that place where you have a mastery as a listener. And then you pick something up and go, wait a minute. This isn't exactly what I think I've been listening to. This isn't exactly when Judas Priest did their last album, their most recent album, Firepower. Right. They did each song on the album is basically a different song from a different era of Judas Priest. If, if you, I think there's 15 or 17 albums on there. One of them is, is actually a glam metal song. It's really annoying. But each one, they've ratcheted down the bolts on how they write that song as tight as they possibly can. And that's where you want to get, I think, with this kind of mastery. So even if it is 4-4 time with 12 different notes in a Western style that is very simple and it's what we've been used to, we want that range to grow within within those boundaries. They, we don't want them to shrink. Well, we don't, but at the same, <laughs> but, but that's, but oftentimes a lot of these, these styles that you're talking about that are world styles are folk music, which by its nature is about shrinking those boundaries, right? It's just that we don't recognize it because it's from a culture that we're not part of or something. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. So, uh, and, and I, I think there's value in folk music too. I, I just feel like they're, they're, there are two primary reasons that I listen to music. One of them is just that emotional feeling I get. Do you know? Just that, that's just, just, just feeling like somebody punched you in the chest, just that kind of an emotion, right. which is yeah. very base. It's not, it doesn't require, it doesn't require a lot of thought to be put into the thing. It, it, it just has to be the right combination of notes and melodies and chords and all this stuff. The other reason is I like to be surprised by music. But in order for the surprise to work, I have to, it has to be rooted on something familiar. And so one of the experiences right. I sometimes have when I listen to prog, because it's a genre that I, I haven't followed the way that you followed, if I, if I listen to something that comes out yesterday, I'm not surprised because I don't know what I'm supposed to be expecting. Do you know what I mean? Right. Because I haven't built up to that. Um, and so I think that the, the reason that genre can be a deep well for somebody like you is because the more energy you invest into listening to it, the more, di- the more it pays off as a listener. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if I just jump into it cold, it might actually be disorienting because you know, the, the last prog I'm really familiar with is like queen or something, you know? So, 
Uh, right. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not as up to date on, and that's, and, and again, this isn't all universally true. You showed me Queensryche and I wasn't really familiar with them except for Silent Lucidity. And the first time I heard their music from their first album, I was like, wow, this is really surprising. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, it's a completely different band. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, but the, the, so even though I didn't know what had led to that point with their music, I was still able to be surprised because it was familiar enough somehow. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I guess for me, it, it doesn't, the, and, and we, we've kind of gotten away from the lyrical content, which we should probably get back to in the Nicki Minaj stuff. But, but for me, as long as it feels kind of like a punch to the gut, I like the music. And, and if, if we're getting into lyrical content, for lyrics, number one, I, I, I'm admittedly not... Lyrics are not the first thing I pay attention to in a song. I always pay attention to the overall sound first. And so a, per, a, a, a band or a singer can get away with really crappy lyrics and I'm not going to hold them against them the way that, that, that you might hold it against them. But, but even if I am listening to, to lyrics, as long as, it's, as long as it's charming in some way, I'm okay with dopey lyrics. Do you know what I mean? Like... Like, like, like just using Nicki Minaj as an example, a lot of her lyrics kind of have a dopey quality, but there's like an edge of humor to them that, you know, makes me chuckle enough that I kind of like, do you know what I mean? She comes off as a charming person to me when she says some of the things that she says. Um, But I don't know. I I don't want to, I don't want to be the only person talking, so. (laughs) <laughs> i think you do i think you do, you think I do this would be an easier show for you if it was just, it was just me pontificating the whole time um yeah i think i mean it's obviously very elitist of me to say well the lyrics have to be smart and that's also subjective what's smart because there's i love eminem right I can yeah tell i, I want to be he's... clear this is not jim being against hip-hop and rap this is jim being against specific types of Right. Of pop I can't stand Fergie, right? I think she's... I watched that video on YouTube, heavy metal, and these guys weren't even really heavy metal, but heavy metal musicians listen to pop music. Uh-huh. And I'm and they listened to seven different songs, and they got to a Fergie song. And I one, I could not believe this song existed or that the video existed. And two, I just could not believe how stupid it was. Was it My, My Lumps? Was it that song? No, it was even dumber than that. Okay. It was Milf Money. I don't think I even know that song. Yeah, it 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 insulted my brain so much I had to just disconnect for a couple of minutes to 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 recenter myself. But that's I listened to I listened to that Behemoth album. Let me finish something here. I listened to that Behemoth album recently, and I really had never gotten into Behemoth. But that song, Oh Father, Oh Oh Satan, Oh Son. I don't like his voice in it, but. The song is so powerful. It punches me in the chest so much. I let go of some of my pretension to mm-hmm. enjoy that song. And you have to be doing something else really, really good for me to be able to do that. And that's not something I get with pop music, right? Okay. With Nicki Minaj and Fergie. I mean, well, number one, the Fergie thing is very much a product of its time. It's like, remember that Rasputin song that I discovered and I sent to you? And you're like, oh, yeah, I know that song. from this Yeah, I know that song. Yeah. yeah. But that would never be made in any other period except for that exact moment in time. Sure. Right? It just wouldn't work. And I think Fergie's kind of the same. The Black Eyed Peas are kind of the same. That stuff was a product of a very specific period. Do you know what I mean? And there were there were some interesting pop things going on at that time if you were open to pop music. But there was also this... 
this blatant dopiness to a lot of it that was kind of by design. Do you know what I mean? That 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 made sense then, but doesn't really make sense now. Um, like I remember, what was that? What's that Hey Ya song? Um, by uh, I can't remember his oh, name. Oh God. The, but hey, Andre 3000. Andre 3000. There's, but musically, there's actually some interesting things going on in that song. It's not, it's not just a mindless pop song. He's right. He's right. he's creating mindless pop deliberately. That's why the song is called what it is. But like you have to, you have to know your shit about music to make a song like that. I could, I could not make that song. And most, most, most bands couldn't make a song like that if they set out to make it. Um, you know, so you know, there was just a zeitgeist at that time that was different. Um, I love Gnarls Barkley's voice. I love the work that he's doing, but if you break it down, it's pretty simple music. Well, and simple uh. music isn't necessarily bad. Some of the... Um, no, no, no. It's not, it, it, it's not inherently bad, but you have to be doing something else amazing okay, to let... pull yourself out of that. And I'm going back to that argument I was making earlier. If you're following the structure of your genre somewhere you, there has to be some deviation from the norm. Otherwise you just made another action movie. Okay. But there's but, a reason die hard is the greatest action movie of all time. I'm not going to dispute that, but I want to ask a question. Why is sure. fade to black a good song then? Why is fade to black a good song? Do 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 do. No, that's one. That's one. how does fade hold to on, black hold, go? Hold on. I got the guitar right here. I'm going to, I'm going to get indulgent. <laughs> You wanted an excuse to bust out the guitar. Well, I, I for people who don't know, I've been a, I'm rusty, so it's going to sound like crap. But I've been a uh, I've been without a guitar for a year, and I just got a new one, and uh, and so I'm going to be able to to illustrate what I'm talking about. So the 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 intro to Fade to Black is something like. So I'm one of those people that thinks that Fade to Black is better than one. Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's the um, same chord. The opening chord. That's fade to black, and one is. Oh. Yeah. Right. You know, it's the same chord. It's just. Uh, it's just played a little. I was just struggling because I was already humming something else in my head. I was struggling to remember but, how fade to black opened. But here's the There's... here's the here's the main body of fade to black, so people know what we're talking about. It goes something like. That's four chords. That's just four right. chords is all that is. It's And there are some flourishes in there, you know, and you can play it in all kinds of different ways. But but it's four chords and it's not that complicated. And you know, there's there's other parts of the song. There's like the There's that whole bit, which I'm butchering, but you get the impression. And I think that I don't know that that's not it's a fairly easy song to play it's a fairly I, I don't think it's a, a a complicated song in terms of you know analyzing all of the components but I don't think I could have written that song do you know what I mean there's something about you know it's there's still something going on in there in terms of the phrasing of the chords that you just wouldn't automatically do if you were just strumming the guitar um so, I think you have to sit down and compose a song like Fade to Black. I think you have to know the emotional beats you want to hit, right? You don't have to know your chords yet before you sit down. You could just sketch it out mm-hmm. as an outline and say, okay, we're going to open with this these many measures of a slow tempo, and then it's going to pick up here, and this is going to be the heart of the song. 
And then we're going to do a chorus, and then we're going to go back to that heart, and then we're going to slow it down and then ramp it back up, and it's going to crescendo here. And then after the crescendo, we're going to do this outro. We're not going to do a solo. We're going to do an outro. And that structure, if you look at it, that's a structure that works across all genres of metal, right? We know tons of songs that do what Fade to Black does, mm-hmm. but none of them, none of them do it with the the same, maybe the same patience. I don't. Right? But I don't know that the structure is what makes the song work. I feel like what makes the song work are those four chords and the way they're using them. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel okay. like I, I, f- I feel like that's the that's the part I always want to listen to in that song. Do you know what I mean? That's the part. That's the part it keeps going back to. Okay. And, well, then I mean, then you're then I don't know what to do with your question because you're asking, you're asking me why the song works, I, well, but I, why it works for you is very different for why it works I, for I, me. I guess what I'm saying, and again, you have to accept one of my assumptions here, which is "Fade to Black" <laughs> is not an intelligent song. It's, it's okay. It's a, it's 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 it, it doesn't quite. It's at least not. It's not so like it was one of these songs where I could learn to play the whole thing, and I know I'm butchering it now because I'm rusty. But when I when I was young, it was one of the first songs I learned to play all the way through, and it wasn't that difficult. Do you know what I mean it was it was fairly easy to play? Um, it, and I and I think even you know it, it just in terms of the structure, you know, it's just it's it's got a it's got a handful of riffs and it's got four chords, and and so and I'm not knocking the song. I'm just saying it isn't it isn't this unbelievably complicated thing that they came up with. It's a fairly straightforward song. Yet it's really, really good. And, and I'm going to go back to what I said before, that it has nothing to do with the chords. You have to go back and you have to look at how it was structured and that somebody sat down and said, how are we going to compose this before we even know what notes we're going to use? Where is everything going to break down? It's the same way they would have written something like Orion or Call of Cthulhu. We need these songs to do X because this is the moment on the album that people are going to be hearing it. So Orion is happening or Call of Cthulhu is happening right before the big last song of the album, which is going to blow everything else out of the water that we did. So this needs to be an emotional gap. And the same thing is true. Fade to Black's the last song on that side of the album. Remember when we had sides? Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that's whenever that was okay, the song that made when, me want to flip over the album and hear the other side. When I hear Fade to Black, I have a strong visual image of where it is on the on the album. Do you know I mean, I, 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 I know that I'm on the end of the first side of that record. And so, or I think for me, it was a tape, but, but it was structured the same. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that, that I, I, I understand that, that it was placed intelligently inside the album, but I don't know that it, you know, on its own, like, I don't know how much thought they put into the song. For all I know, he was just going, ah, okay, these chords, and then just kind of, you know, slowly developing it into, into the, into the phrasing that he got but and that's fine too but at some point you still have to sit down when you're writing something like that and say we're only going to do this part for this long we're only going to do this part for this long because we need this emotional impact this is what makes tool so fucking good at what they do right is they they maynard may come back and say i need this section to be longer because i want to put some more lyrics in here and i could hear adam saying no if we make that longer it's going to ruin the emotional resonance that this song is creating. They they take so much time deciding how long something's going to be. How long is that baby going to cry at the beginning of a Nima? Right? 
That's that is so important to the structure. And you can't get that if you're winger and you're writing a song about fucking an underage girl. So so one thing have I, to But one thing we have to acknowledge is the guy from Winger apparently knows a shit ton about music. Sure, I'm and sure he does. He, like right? he's no but like he's like right like he writes symphonies now or something. He's like crazy knowledgeable about music. Um not that that necessarily diminishes your point because Winger does suck, but like, you know, <laughs> but I just didn't want, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I think, um, I don't know that any of that's true about Fade to Black though. I feel like with Fade to Black, the same level of thought could have been put into it that was put into Nicki Minaj's Anaconda. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's because it's just, you know, okay, here's the main body of the song where we're going to sing and there's the chorus and that, you know, it just, it has... I, I'm going to use your words against you. Okay. Last episode, you used Richie Blackmore's uh, insolence and pain in the assitude okay. as the reason why his music is so great. You cannot, in a band with James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich, expect them to just sit there and go, oh, yeah, that sounds like it's going to go somewhere. Yeah, just whatever. I'm not saying there wasn't a conversation. What I'm saying no. is, <laughs> what I'm saying is, Nothing leaps out at me with Fade to Black as particularly intelligent. I'm not knocking the song at all. I'm not it saying is it's not... emotionally intelligent because it resonates. It knows how to resonate and get you in the mood for that crescendo. It knows how to get you there by pacing itself properly. But that's by being structured. But that's properly. not. Inte- but again, that's more about emotion. That's not. About, I mean, pop songs do that. Too. I said emotional intelligence. Yeah, but, now, I, but I, now, I, now you're now you're now you're using I said emotion. that earlier. I know, but I now said but that that's, that's said... tricky. That's tricky because a lot of pop songs are emotionally intelligent. You would still dismiss them. Do you know what I mean? On intelligent, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know that. I feel I feel like <laughs> we're sort of debating the the role of intelligence. I, I went back and I did this with other songs, and I'll do it again. Okay. If you're going to copy the format and structure of your genre. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there, you have to expand what that genre is doing if it's going to be generic. There's a reason Die Hard is the best action movie ever made. It takes the structure that you're used to, and it changes and flips every single thing. There is a structure, a logical structure to Fade to Black that every ballad from every metal band has followed, right? Yeah. There's only one good ballad by Scorpions. They've tried to recapture that ballad a hundred times since that song came out, and they can't do it. I think when you hit that lightning, when that lightning strikes on that song, and there's never going to be another fade to black from Metallica, there just won't be. It, there's it, there's it's an definitely it's the prototype ahead, metal ballad. It is it 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 kind of became the default. But I think the thing is, that's not an, somebody who comes to the song now isn't going to necessarily be aware of that when they when they hear it. They're just going to hear the song. And I think the song on its own, you know, that's an accident. The fact that they were the first metal band to do that is what caused it to become the the prototype. Like there there were other ballads, but like they were the the first heavy band like that, that threw in that kind of song and made it the standard to have one ballad on every album. Right. I would say Judas Priest, Diamonds and Rust, Trump's Fade to Black on every level. It is the greatest ballad. That's a cover. That's fine. That doesn't. Well, they still and Dreamer Deceiver's a ballad too. Dreamer Deceiver. Yeah, but, but those, but those are different songs from Bade to Black. Those are not. Those don't. Those don't follow the ballad 
mold the fade to black established. Oh, okay. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. No, I, I agree. That's why I said there were other ballads before, and, and there were, frankly, better ballads before Fade to Black. But Fade to Black has a significance. Like, we don't even have rock stations here, and somehow Fade to Black ends up on the radio every other day for some reason. You know, like, uh, it, it's it just still gets played. Um, I Wouldn't you say it's, it's a lot like, say, Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones? Even if you don't like the Stones, you I, like that song. I think it's delib. I think the title is a deliberate reference to Paint It Black. Like I don't okay, know that maybe. for a fact, but I feel like, like, like you know, you know the song "Sweet Child of Mine" by Guns N' Roses, and you hear yeah. that, and you're like, oh, he must have been aware of the opening line of "Child in Time" when he made that title. I think it's the same thing with "Fade to Black" um, and "Paint It Black." But yeah, no, pa- "Paint It Black" is one of those songs where it just hits something that gets everybody at an emotional right. level. The way Fade to Black... It's a really good song. Fade to Black and Paint It Black are both really good songs. But I don't think either of them are, are particularly intellectual. Do you know what I'm saying? They're not They're not more intelligent or less intelligent than other pop songs. Um, Fade to Black is a little more complicated than something you might hear in a pop station, for sure. Like, you're not going to... You know, there's, there's the musical stuff going on in there that they're not going to allow on Kiss 108 or something. But it's not it's not as complicated as a lot of the other metallica music and and i think that uh i don't know i th- i think i think what drives fade to black is the emotion of it i think i think the i think james hetfield who i'm assuming is responsible for the bulk of the of the uh of the chord stuff and 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 the and the melodies to the song um has really good musical intuition and I think that's right. what's driving it. I don't think I don't think it was so much that he sat down and was like, okay, I need to come up with a clever song. I think he's one of these guys that if he sits down and he plays guitar, a lot of really good stuff comes out of him. And then that can be shaped into good content. And 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 some of their songs they shape it very intelligently. And, you know, especially stuff on like um Master of Puppets or the Justice for All album. But but Fade to Black is a kind of song that is almost a little bit more like the Black Album material. Do you know what I mean? Where it's just like a really simple structure, and and it 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 it's just a good song. It's just a good simple song. It's not really, it's it's not really blowing my mind at any point. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, I think if it didn't crescendo and didn't have an outro, it would have been forgotten. The crescendo is important, but a crescendo is not a complicated idea. A crescendo is no. It's I'm not saying yeah. it's a complicated. Idea. I'm saying it has to have those ingredients. There's so many ingredients at play. And if you listen to the Black Album, it doesn't have complicated I, ingredients. I think you are making a very intellectual argument to turn a non-intellectual song into an intellectual song. <laughs> I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. We have more language to define why, when something sucks than we yeah. do to define when something is good. So it's easier for me to tear down a bad song like Burn. Um, okay, okay. Bird is not a bad. We we got to go there then because Bird is not uh, a bad. Song. Let me finish the thought. Okay, okay. I don't have to use Burn. I'll use whatever. No, use Bird. Use Bird. No, use Bird. I have much more language to describe why something is bad than I do to define something as good. And this is the one of the key reasons why. As soon as I break down intellectually, one hundred percent, why Fade to Black is a great song, it's no longer great. Okay. There has to be an undefinable quality. That makes it great. There has to be something in it. My favorite song of all times is Still Remains by Fate's Warning. I It's 17 minutes long. I can listen to it nonstop all day long, looping. I will never get bored of it. 
I think I've heard it somewhere near 5,000 times now. I'm not exaggerating. I like that song that much. It goes through a number of complicated rhythms and, and, and emotional beats. But if I sat down and actually examined note for note what I was going through, I would ruin the song for myself. Okay. Okay. So do you think that's a good so, thing, though? That you have, I can tell you why Star Wars one through four and six through nine suck. I cannot tell you why Star Wars five is great from beginning to end. But is all I can tell you is that it 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 measures up for me perfectly, and because it has a bad guy winning at the end, that just compounds the greatness that is that movie. You know, when I was in college, I didn't respond well to like a lot of the critical theory stuff that we were learning, and a lot a lot of like the critical type things. Right, and I think. Maybe you're hitting on the reason, which is, isn't this kind of the upside down way of how it should be? Like, shouldn't you be able to identify what's good about Star Wars and then replicate what's good about it rather than identify what's bad and avoid <laughs> what's bad? You about should it? definitely know what makes it great. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to have vernacular. I'm a post-structuralist, right? I took a lot of. You're going to have to define that for people because I, I okay. you've, you've probably lost about 50 percent of the audience. with that. <laughs> I took a lot of critical theory in college. And there's a lot of ways to examine work that you're when you're taught when you're doing critical theory. And I'm a post-structuralist, which means you look at a work independent of the time period it was released. You're not allowed to defend. Well, that book is racist because it was written in the 1800s. I don't care if it's racist, it's racist. That's an example of post-structuralism. Okay. And, I, and I was a history work. major. and I tend to firmly put things in their time. So Right. So, so you're a structuralist. You're yeah. not a post-structuralist. Yeah. You're a structuralist. Well, I, I was really into guys like Burdell, who I think maybe fit. I, I don't know where you would put him, but go ahead. Go ahead. So for me, the structure of a thing is is vitally important. And if it's not honoring its own structure, um, a girl with a dragon tattoo. I haven't, I haven't seen that, so you might have to explain some things about Okay, it. the first movie and the first book are fantastic. Second and third are garbage, because th- there's a number of hundreds of reasons. I so don't it's like the Matrix trilogy, bog- basically. Yeah, I don't want to get bogged down in the details of what he did wrong when he was writing two and three. Mm-hmm. But not understanding what made one so great, and then not following through on your own the, your own structure that you built in to make this story so great, and then make two and three just random stories that really have nothing to do with what you've done in one. That's how you get off track. If you don't know what makes, I'll use D&D third edition as an example. I'm going all over the place today. That's okay. Everybody wants to take credit for why third edition was fantastic. If you look at how Watsy works, everybody wanted to take credit for it. When fourth came along, nobody liked it. And nobody could figure out why they didn't like it. Well, the problem was, is nobody sat down and honestly examined why it was everybody liked th- three. And if you are honest about it, three was successful because of the timing. That really was it. But isn't that so you a, can't. Oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. So you can't then just put four out and hope it's just as successful as three because of the timing, because the timing for three took 20 years to brew. And. Not sitting down and examining things honestly stops you from being able to recapture that structure. So six Star Wars six isn't going to be great. I'm getting finally getting back to my original point. Star Wars six isn't going to be great because Lucas didn't like that somebody else made five great. So Lucas gets his hands dirty in six 
and he changes up the tone and the tone is completely different from the tone they left off on. Right. Ewoks running around doing yub dub. I, I love to turn the Jedi. So I'm going to have a much. T- I mean, I think five is better for sure, but only because it's so wonderful. Right. And you but. can like it. But if you examine it, then you can see, oh, it failed to honor the tone of five. It failed to honor the tone of four. There's some confusion here as to when the story ends and restarts. Well, right. Because I, saving Han happens. I don't want to get you've got this. I don't want to go on a tangent, but what I will say is this. I think I feel like five, I think six honors five in that right. the, the thing keeping you in the story is that, you know, they're going to go rescue Han and all this stuff. Sure. And, and all the information that was dumped on Luke. I, I, I think, was didn't want to spend any more time on Star Wars. No, I was just no. using an example of why we examine music the way we do. No, if but we I, go back to the logic of why is why can't we examine why something is good the same way we can examine why it's bad. OK. And it's because we strip it of its spirit and its essence if we define every single, oh, well, Die Hard is so great because at minute 17, Mm -hmm. this happens, and you're ready for that beat, that emotional beat. You've been prepared for it because the last beat was an action beat. And when you do that, because that's the shit you have to do when you're writing a screenplay, by the way, there's no way the writer of Die Hard can enjoy the movie the same way you and I can enjoy the movie. Well, and there's a history he has of people to know doing what those that. Beats are. What's there's that? A, there's a history of people doing that and bad movies resulting too, because like, right. like, the, like there's a period in the '80s where you did, where they had a formula, and you had to follow the formula, and a lot sure. of dialogue really sucked by the end of the '80s because there was this hyper efficiency of everything that yeah. was not giving it room to breathe, and, right. uh, and it's a product of what you're talking about, I think. So, and how many people copied Die Hard? And none of them are even close to how great Die Hard is because they're just copying the beats and they're missing everything else that went into the essence of what made Die Hard so good. Now, yeah, so but I guess to bring it back to burn now, because uh, that was where this left off of Uh, specifically, (laughs) why don't you I want to know why you don't like burn. I know you don't like it, but I want to know why. I, I think the the melody is just sour. Honestly, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't pick up for me. At no okay. point am I emotionally invested in what he's singing about and what he's saying. Okay, I, I can't force you to be emotionally invested in something. So that's a perfectly good answer. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I when I I I had a strong emotional reaction the first time I heard that song, and I feel that it's like the sequel to Highway Star. Do you know what I mean it's like it, it's the same kind of? It's got. A, it, it's not as heavy as Highway Star, but the solo serves exactly the same function, and the solo is an expansion on the solo that he, the solo structure that he was doing in Highway Star. Right. And right. and the song has it's a little bit more. I don't know. There's there's an emotional quality to it that's a little bit soulful, and I really like that. So that's that's why I have the reaction to it that I have. Um, and also, I I'm a fan of. The, the lyrics are not particularly insightful or anything like that. It's it's basically literally about a woman burning people for some reason that's vaguely apocalyptic. Um, right. But for a metal song, for me, or for even like a hard rock song, that works as subject matter. The same way that like, you know, uh, Two Minutes to Midnight works or, uh, um, you know, any anything that's sort of painting a, a picture of bloodshed that's very melodramatic. Um, <laughs> so... You know, it's cinematic. I, I, can, I can picture the movie that Burn is supposed to be in my head. 
it's not necessarily an Oscar nominated film, but it's still a movie that I would enjoy. Um, Have you seen which? No, I haven't seen which. You I, need I, to see which. Okay, I'm just going to say this off the bat to the listeners, because you already probably know this. I'm not a fan of intellectual horror movies. And when <laughs> which came out, like, no, because I was a horror yeah. movie fan growing up. I, I worked at a video store as a kid. And I used to go through that whole horror movie shelf. And all me and my friends did when we got home from the, you know, from school was we would go and rent like Nightbreed and shit. And my uncle used to show me Hammer movies and Universal movies and all these classic horror movies. So I was really into the horror genre, but I was never into horror as the, I mean, it can get intellectual from time to time. Like Nightbreed is obviously, there's an idea behind Nightbreed, right? But it doesn't get so lost in that idea that it's boring. And I don't know when I see horror movies come out and suddenly non horror movie fans are coming up to me. And I'm not saying you're a non horror movie fan. I'm just saying when that movie came out, everybody in my Facebook feed who didn't like horror was telling me to go watch this movie. And I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to watch this movie now because it's not made for horror fans. And, uh, no, it wasn't made for horror. Yeah. Fans. And, and I'm sure it's probably a good movie on its own. But if I'm going to see a horror movie, I want to see a horror movie. I don't want to see a movie that gets caught up in an, in an intellectual concept and is all about that. Do you know what I mean? That's just not why I'm there for horror. I want to see Jason stabbing people if I'm watching horror. Um, right. So, but, but go on. I do want you to talk about which. I was just saying that you might want to see it simply because you like the song Burn and you think it's about... There's, there's an emotional equivalency to those two things okay i might watch it for that reason then i mean because when i see when i hear burn i think of a movie like life force or something do you know what i mean yeah yeah it's it's there's nothing schlocky about witch but there is this sort of female empowerment going on in the the movie that it really follows through on okay It, it doesn't it's not this is the thing i always say uh there's a scene in star wars seven I keep coming back to Star Wars, but it's the language everybody knows where Finn grabs what's her face Ray by the hand while they're running away. Yeah. And then she says, don't touch me or whatever it was that she said. That's in there to make it look like the movies about female empowerment instead of actually following through and making a film about female empowerment. Yeah. And And which does that it. it, And it doesn't do it in a cheesy way. The keeping room was one of those movies that was about female empowerment and it followed through and it was smart and it hit all the right beats. It was a fantastic movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I don't know. I'll watch it, but I'm not, that's not something that makes me watch a film. Like I'm, I'm female empowerment's great, but like, I don't, I'm not, I don't go to a movie to get, to me, it sort of becomes like edutainment when it gets to that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's sort of like I don't need the director to tell me how to be a good person with their film. That's not no, absolutely, yeah. and I understand that. Yeah. I'm not I'm not preaching here at yeah. all. I'm merely saying that if that is your message and that's what you're doing, follow do it through. right. Follow through. Yeah, with follow it. through. I mean, I'll watch it. Right. it. Maybe it'll maybe it'll surprise me. You know, because I can be closed minded sometimes and I can be stubborn, and so maybe I <laughs> you know, maybe I should maybe I should give it a whirl. <laughs> you made me laugh like this on the last episode. <laughs> Oh my God! I can be suburbed sometimes. That... All of our arguments are because you just don't want to have your mind changed. I... You know, there's there's value in being stubborn. People, you know, I I don't know if I I've probably mentioned this story. So if I have, I'll stop. But when I when I was a kid, my my dad filmed me doing something 
that was sort of like a hallmark of this stubborn streak that I have. Do you remember how when you were a child, they used to have you put messages on balloons and you had to send the balloon up into the air? Did that? Did they ever do that when you were a kid? No. Okay, when we were kids, they did this all the time for some reason. They were really big on this message in a bottle thing with balloons. And and we used to do it as a group. And like by the end of the we'd make our messages and at the end of the week, we'd let them out. And, and we did this at church. And I I had my balloon with my message on it and I refused to let it go. I didn't want to let the balloon go. I wanted to keep it. And all the kids, my dad was filming this. He wasn't interceding or anything, but he was filming it the whole time on like an eight millimeter. And so I used to have to watch this over and over again growing up. And I don't remember if I'm remembering watching the movie or remembering what happened, but all the kids started pressuring me to, 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 to release my balloon. And I wouldn't let it, I wouldn't do it. And they all started circling around me and like bullying me and like shouting at me. And I was just like shaking my head saying, no, I'm not going to let go of my balloon. And so it's just, you know, uh, an, a story of, you know, why I'm so stubborn. Maybe, you know, I, 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 I don't like people telling me to do something. And if you tell me to do it, I'm going to resist you even more. Cause I feel like, I feel like that's how Nazi Germany happens. Do you know what I mean? Is like people pressuring you to do to to go watch the witch, and then sure. and then you watch the witch, and then you know all this carnage ensues. At the end so, of the day, I don't care, yeah. right? You're you have all of your opinions that you want to, and you go see the movies you want to. Um, so if you feel that I'm pressuring you, I apologize. no, you're not. You're not. I'm making um, light. I'm making light of what you're doing. But I'm I'm interested in the truth, so I'm happy to be wrong when we're done with all of this. When we're I, I'm more interested in exploring and finding out where it leads us. Okay. I, I'm not interested in changing your mind, but you and I have a habit of you hit the same beat 400 times <laughs> while we're talking through an episode, and I have to find, and you just saw it happen. That tangent was forever. Um, I have to bring up 400 points of evidence. But I'm it's gonna, like arguing I, I, with my wife. But, but here's talking the thing. Talking to you is like arguing with my wife. You, but you've got to understand there's a, there's, a, there's a value in the tactic that I'm bringing here. People are going to remember what I said. They're not going to remember as well what you said because sure. you're bringing up so many different points. Then because, I'm going to start doing what you do and just say no, no, I don't just no. say no. I, I, <laughs> I raise – you're, you're – you're, you're you're creating a straw man out of what I do. I, <laughs> no, I'm not. I, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I am stubborn. I am stubborn. I will I will linger on a point, but I will I will make other points in support of what I'm saying. You know, I, I know. I, you. I, it's just that I'm very focused. I you know what it is. I I believe in being clear, and I, I I don't like getting. If I go on tangents like you do, you you see it. I get lost. So it's much better for me to stay on message and just, you know, make, make I have my a really clarity. bad habit of having to use analogy to make a point because I want to dumb down a complicated idea into something that is familiar. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is you think the analogy is my new point and you want to argue the analogy. And I don't want to argue the analogy. I just want to say, here's an analogous situation to my original point. Well, and I run into this all the time with everybody, right? But it's a it's a way I learned to talk when I was young because I was in high school with a lot of dumb people and I had to talk to them in a way that they understood. All my friends were dumb, white trash beer drinkers, even at the age of 13. And so I would have to dumb things down for them to explain ideas. And it just became a habit. I do it even when I'm talking to intelligent people. Well, I'll use analogies. Well, analogies are fine. I, I think that happens in every conversation, though, like. Anytime you present an analogy, people argue the analogy, right? Like that's just, yeah. it's like, it's like, it's like a dog with a, you, you, you just, you just brought out a 
colorful ball and your dog now wants the ball and is forgotten about the bone in your other hand. You know, it's, 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 it, it, every time I watch people have a conversation, when you're in the conversation, like you, you're, you, you have enough removal because you're the one making the analogy. You can see me doing that. But if I'm watching two people talk, I will see that happen all the time. And yeah. if you're in the middle of the discussion yourself, it's really hard to know that that, that oh, I just completely detoured down this road. Um, well, I think two things are at play with that because it happens to me online all the time. One is people have short attention spans, so now they just want to talk about that thing because mm-hmm. it's smaller. And two, they want to win things. Yeah. And so yeah. they're not interested. They're they're not even interested in the context of the conversation anymore because they don't know what context is. Yeah. So they just oh now we're I didn't know we were talking about Star Wars. Now I thought we were talking about the song "Burn" by Deep Purple. But I'll talk about Star Wars. I know what that is. Well. I want to clarify one thing. I my main interest isn't to win. My main interest is to be entertaining in the conversation, and I do that by punching a little bit. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. you know, I I don't really at the end of the day I don't I don't particularly care if I win the burn debate, but I care that that it was an entertaining debate that we had when when I was younger. The way that we would this actually does kind of tie into something I saw us talking about on on Facebook the other day. When I used to go watch movies with my friends, we would get in the car afterwards, and on the way home, we would bicker needlessly about whether it was a good movie or not. Do you know what I mean? Right. It was. It. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't that important for anybody to win the conversation, but we liked. There's this northeast thing that happens where people just like to spar verbally a little bit, and the movies became an extension of that. And uh, and you were kind of talking about how that's not really happening anymore with entertainment, where. Uh, you know, people are still trying to win discussions, but there's a new there's a new layer added to it these days where it the the the, the light sparring quality of it seems to be missing and you can't really have a conversation of disagreement where like if you if you tell me you don't like burn, it's not just that you and I disagree on this song, it's that I think Jim is is a bad person and and and, and crazy for not liking the song. And and now I now you have to justify your existence or something to me rather than, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, you know, uh, so, so one well, of the things, oh, go ahead. Oh, go, no, no, finish your thought. I was just gonna say, so one of the things I try to bring to this show when I'm disagreeing with Jim or anybody is I, I sometimes make slightly outrageous reactions, but I do it because I feel like it's adding to the levity, not, you know, it's, 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 it's obvious that I don't hate Jim because he doesn't like burn, you know, that is the, is the goal there. Right. And I, and of course, and now the, the funny thing is, this is very meta because now we're examining <laughs> how we talk, which is what we were doing when we were examining songs. Um, I find myself feeling um, I, I was not listened to much as a child. So I find myself feeling the need to over explain just so that my idea is heard. Not that you need to agree with it, just that you understand what it is that my point is, okay. because I will feel unresolved if we go off the air and you think I really want to talk about Star Wars. I really don't. I just always okay. use it as an example because it's something everybody knows. I, then you're way overthinking that because that wasn't even in my head at all. I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, no I had, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think that at all. I just thought we got lost on a Star Wars tangent somehow because that's where the conversation happened to go. And, you yeah. know, but yeah, no, I I. It doesn't help that it's been on my mind and it's in the cultural. 
I think uh, you want to talk about Star Wars. See, now I'm starting to think you want to talk about Star Wars because, <laughs> you know, it, it it is it is on people's minds and people are expressing I'm not, very. I'm not falling for this. I'm not falling. You troll. <laughs> I actually haven't seen the new one, so I have no opinion yet. I, I, neither I, have I. I won't be going. I'm I'm going to see it. My wife's going to make me see it, but uh, I'm I'm actually. I'm I'm not particularly caught up in the Star Wars uh, conversation, so to me, it's just you know I'll see the movie and if it's entertaining, I'll like it. But I'm not going to really worry about you know other feelings that 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 get attached to that. Um, do you want to stop recording this episode and we'll do a real quick one about Star Wars? Would that make you feel better? Because I wouldn't mind doing it. Okay, yeah, let's let's end it here and we can try talking Star Wars and see.